Welcome to Serial. Welcome to... Oh, I was expecting you to keep going. Serial. <laughs> Welcome to Serial. Welcome to Serial. Welcome to Serial. Oh my God, stop it. <laughs> I can't. I, I'm in a loop. Um, so... We have decided to sort of like revamp where we're going with this podcast. Mm. Um, for a lot of this podcast history, we've been focusing on putting a certain, you know, people or persons in prison. Um, but we sort of like with all the stuff that's been going on lately, it has made us sort of reconsider that and and think kind of holistically about what our project is. Um, and now we've changed focus. And I would like to announce our new project, which is to free Anand Sayed from prison. <laughs> I thought you were going to say free Mumia. For, well, no, I am actually really f- f- extremely pro free Mumia. Um, but that free Mumia's Mumia's already got a lot of advocates. He did a split with Os Rotten, um, <laughs> which I had when I was thirteen. Very good split. Uh, but but Anon, I feel like once once serial wait is it's Adnan Adnan. Well, so maybe before I'm, we before we complete this pivot, we should probably learn his name. Well, names are subjective. You can just say anything. <laughs> you said that before. You said that before. Well, was that? someone someone once told me that on Golf Street. Like someone I know once told me that when I was like nineteen, and it was the most confusing thing anyone said to me. And it's never. For those who aren't familiar with with this thing, someone told me once that you can just pronounce names any way you want. It doesn't matter how they're spelled. Like, if that's your name, you can pr- pronounce it that way, which is one of the most mystifying statements anyone's ever said to me. But but now I just take it as fact. Uh, my friend was on a road trip once, and a waitress at a diner Hello. she was at uh, came up and had a, a name tag that said chamomile. And she introduced okay. herself as Shamila. Whoa. So That's pretty good. Perhaps your friend was right. Well, I am Brache Beldang. That's what I'm going for now. <laughs> oh, and I'm we... your host here of Serial. <laughs> Free Adnan. Free Adnan. I actually have no clue about the, that whole thing. Oh, well, it's like, you know, Is he like... guilty or innocent? Did we ever decide? Well... You know how, like, sometimes someone you're dating really makes you mad? And mm. you're like, I wish I could kill them. Yeah. Uh, he did. Oh. Do that. But then the uh, lady got, fa- did she, didn't she get, like, tons of awards and, and money for, like, basically, like, falling in love with him and then making a podcast about it? Yeah. But, like, in fairness, you did say Ghislaine had a hot voice. <laughs> you know what? I don't take that back. I stand by my assessment. Sorry to the haters. For thinking that I've crossed too many lines, I'm too far gone, but it was, you know, as shocking to me as you must feel shocked for me saying it. (laughs) But that's, you know, this is the kind of truth that we're committed to here on Serial. Well, unfortunately, I do not think Elaine is going to make it much longer, Liz. Really? Yeah, she has a new cellmate. Who? Adnan Saeed. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein.
Podcast. Uh, that no, is... that's that should be the new claim. It's just the only podcast. Uh huh. The only podcast still putting them out. Every other podcast we make our right own now? truth. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we we. Who's that? Carl Rove that said that. Yeah, we have. We are the first Rove uh, Rovian podcast. <laughs> the first Rovian podcast on the left. We forge our own reality. Well, technically, Carl Rove was a Trotskyist, but yes, point taken. <laughs> um, my name is uh, I'll be I'll be straight with you guys. My name is Bryce Belden. Oh, that's nice. I'm Liz. We are joined by our completely nude producer, Young Chomsky, <laughs> and uh, and this is True Not. Yes, welcome. Hello. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm. I'm really. I gotta tell you. Little sick of this coronavirus business. Yeah, uh, I basically I've gone through a couple waves of dealing with corona. I think everyone has now, and I'm yeah. at the point where I'm back to being scared of getting it again. Really? Yeah. What What kicked that off? Um, some people dying, and uh, uh, that'll do it. Yeah, just stuff feeling a little too close to home. I don't yeah. know. This shit is still going on, believe it or not, people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, I've gone through several of my own personal phases, not to be uh, mixed up with the societal phases that we've also faced. <laughs> uh, at first, I was having a really good time. Uh, next, I was having a slightly less good time. Following that, the descent continued. Mm. And now I'm somewhere at a subterranean plateau. Uh, where I'm deeply paranoid, uh, nihilistic, and extremely mentally ill. So this is more of like an L-shape recovery that you're going through. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But somehow, you know what? I'm still rocking. That's yeah, the thing. You are. You I'm are. still rocking. It's. 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 I. I. I love being uh, in the the subcutaneous part of the world, <laughs> baby. I'm doing. I'm doing good here. I'm a. You know, I'm nothing if not a human rat. And so, the, in fact, the Rat King, many have said. Exactly. Yeah. And so, the the more garbage and bullshit that I'm around, sort of, the more I thrive. Uh, not mentally, spiritually, or physically, uh, but, um, well, no, spiritually, yes. But the other things not doing so great. So we should say that it is. We are recording this July 29th. Hmm. Um, 2020. Oh shit! Yes, <laughs> in case people were confused, <laughs> not uh 2021. Um, and as of now, there is no deal in Congress to extend the CARES Act and the provisions under the CARES Act. They are still debating out what the hell is going to happen. It's the Republicans have offered what they're calling the Heals Act, which. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't even want to even look up what that stands for. Don't care. But real sick of all these little names. They got to come up with some better names. Yeah, they should just call it the money bill. Yeah. Well, they would, except they're not actually offering very much money, um, so, which so we can kind of get into. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we'll get into that 
in a second, but UI uh, officially, I know there was something where like it officially expired, I believe last Friday or last Saturday, I think. I don't know exactly when, but it's done now. Yeah, that's done. And the eviction moratorium is about to end, the federal one. Now mm-hmm. states have their own and some municipalities have their own, but the federal one has been key in staving off um, what looks to be a large portion of American people who can't pay their rent right now. Yeah, a ton of them. I mean, it's all for, it's a, for all federally backed mortgages, um, yeah. which is uh, all of these things are going to kind of come crashing down, not necessarily right now. But but what you're seeing right now, these topics coming up over and over and over again, um, because I'm sure that the Republicans and Democrats will eke out some sort of like uh, filthy, vile deal uh, very shortly, maybe even by the time this podcast is out. Um, but but what we're seeing right now is we're kind of naming the rocks that we're watching tumbling down the hill mm. and they're kind of just kicking the can further in the future. Um, and eventually these these programs will run out and there will be no replacement. Yeah, I mean, I think something that we talk about a lot on this podcast or I always bring up are like what we call cascading effects, which is to say that like, you know, one thing happens and there are a string of other effects that follow from that mm-hmm. that don't really get talked about. And I think that's what we're kind of talking about on the episode today. We're going to kind of go through some stuff that... Isn't totally being covered as much as I think it should be. Or a lot of these things are sort of being covered in a, in a discreet way, as if mm. they're problems that aren't all in- interconnected. But if there's one thing that I believe in is that recessions are intersectional. <laughs> yes, yes. And yes, we absolutely. will be getting into that today. <laughs> So I think we wanted to start off with reading something from a, a open letter, which, by the way, to be completely clear and frank with every single one of our listeners, open letters are for pussies and losers. <laughs> yes. I have never really read an open letter where I'm like, damn, glad this person wrote that. They always uh, annoy me in some sometimes rather esoteric ways. Um, but this one I thought was, uh, it stayed with me ever since, ever since I read it. It was, it's by, you know what? I, I'm not really even going to try to pronounce his name good. I'm actually going to pronounce it wrong on purpose. Michael Hulebeck. No, <laughs> Welbeck. Okay. Well, yeah. Just, okay. Let's just say Welbeck. Mi- Michelle Welbeck, uh, <laughs> who is a French writer, uh, known for his books about be- sad men, um, who are fed up with everything. Yes. And to be honest, I, I'm a big fan of a lot of French literature. Not the biggest Welbeck fan, um, because... Yeah, I mean, me neither. For a variety of reasons. Uh, most of them, it's, you know, come on, I get enough of this in my daily life. I'd rather read... At least Jeanette got some pussy. Um, well, all right, technically he got... Anyway, so, uh, but he wrote this open letter at the beginning of the pandemic, or I believe in, in early May, and I revisited it this week, and a lot of it rings even truer now than it did back then. 
Um, and because whenever I read, I, for some reason, affect a very high-pitched British accent, I'm going to have Liz uh, <laughs> read a couple sections of it right here. So we'll link to this piece. Um, but basically, he starts out, a banal virus, really not so different from any flu virus, but with unknown survival conditions, vague symptoms, sometimes benign and sometimes deadly, and not even sexually transmissible. In short, a virus without qualities. And while this epidemic can easily cause several thousand deaths in the world each day, it meanwhile produces the curious impression of being a non-event. Already, I don't believe for even half a second statements like, after this, nothing will ever be the same. On the contrary, everything will remain exactly the same. The unfolding of this epidemic has been remarkably normal, even. The West will not be the richest and most developed zone in the world for all eternity. It's not our divine right. Our story has been over for some time now. This isn't exactly a scoop. All these tendencies were already in effect before the coronavirus. They've only become more obvious in this moment. We will not wake up after our confinement ends into a new world. It will be the same, but a bit worse. So, so I that a lot about this really strikes me. Um, and one thing in particular is I, I, I actually don't see this as much anymore. But when this this sort of crisis began. I think a lot of people both sensed rupture and opportunity. Mm. Um, I saw like a lot of people, particularly on the left, saying like, oh, well, this will prove that we need Medicare for all. Like, this will mm. actually usher in something mm -hmm. like that, some sort of change like that. Or I saw people saying like, this is going to be total collapse. This is going to be desolation, Mad Max style, everything. Um, and while I, I think it's always important to prepare for total collapse, even in, 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 in more placid times... Um, it's it's very clear that that neither of those things are happening. And, and what in fact actually is happening is that all of the shit that is bad about everything is just continuing but worse. Yeah, I mean, I think that, oh, yeah, I think there's been a couple of things. It's almost as if if there was a rupture or if anyone sensed an opportunity with a possible rupture, it certainly was capital. <laughs> As yes. they've, as they're, you know, going through and <clears throat> clearing out excess uh, populations in, you know, in the employment market and what have you, which we can get into. But in terms of um, of everything else, yeah, like what you said, what we're seeing is an acceleration of processes that were already very much in place, mm -hmm. um, and. We should say before we get into these stats that at this moment, the United States has just surpassed 150,000 dead, which is a remarkable milestone for not even August. Remember, yeah. this This really started in March, April, I mean, in, you know, late February, March, really ramping up in the U.S. Um, we have no idea what the fall is going to look like in terms of the actual virus and where it's sitting, but there are already basically second or if you, depending on how you're looking at it, third waves that are occurring over various countries in Asia, um, including Hong Kong, which is now, I think having the most severe lockdown currently anywhere in the world, because it's where it's <laughs> public gatherings are restricted to two people, which I found mm. very, it's just, 
It's like just banned public gatherings. I, I don't, don't know. know if that technically qualifies as a gathering. <laughs> I know, I know, but I found that very funny. Um, you know, there's been a huge outbreak of cases now that colleges have started opening, mm-hmm. which has been a real problem, particularly in states like Florida, Texas, and California. And um, kind of how you were you were joking that all these things are intersectional, but they actually are. You know, Florida, Texas, and and California having some of the biggest outbreaks, you know, these are major yep. economic powerhouses in the country, these three states, for various reasons. And that has its own cascading effects, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and a lot of that, I mean, I think listeners to this will especially, to, 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 to this podcast will especially realize that we've been very critical of the sort of herky-jerky nature of the government response. Mm. Not being able to essentially decide which direction we're going. If we're going for, you know, herd immunity, which I, I do think is the actual sort of underlying plan here, or it doesn't make sense for some states to totally shut down and close and then other ones to say totally open. That is not mm-hmm. a way to contain a pandemic in a country. That is a way to contain a pandemic temporarily, locally, but but there's no concerted federal effort here. Which right. I think that like is really striking and is really different from a lot of other countries because you essentially have both ends of the spectrum occurring, sometimes even in neighboring states, where one will be totally locked down, um, you know, very few businesses open, people, you know, mask laws, et cetera. And then you have, you know, few, whatever hundred miles away, uh, somewhere where, where it's almost like nothing's happening. You know, maybe some less than 50% of people wearing masks uh, and and everything open, people going out to eat. and And that's why we're seeing, I think, this sort of like rolling waves of of coronavirus and and I think that even in these like New York and state, states like that well maybe maybe not necessarily New York but like certainly a lot of other states with stricter lockdown restrictions that that had have been in place since the beginning those I think will start to open up again like Los Angeles did and mm-hmm. then there'll be further outbreaks there and they'll close back down again yeah um, and this you know this opening and then closing has Insane effects on the economy, too. Absolutely, yeah. Because what you see is all these restaurants and small businesses, especially, you know, if they got, you know, small business loans from the government or PPP loans to stay open through these uh, state closures, then they get geared up to reopen, then the state shuts them down again. And a lot of business owners have found themselves being like, we can't keep doing this, we can't keep operating, and so closing businesses, well, yeah, I actually was reading a Yelp economic report, uh, mm. which I think is using mostly data that's actually from Yelp, which kind of makes sense in this context. Uh, they are saying that 60% of the restaurant closures they're seeing are permanent. Yeah. And they're also saying that it made clear by the report that increased coronavirus mm. cases uh, 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 correspond basically directly to areas where 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 things reopened, like Florida, South Carolina, Nevada, Texas. Mm. Um, and and I think that okay, that's happening there now, but I think we'll probably see that everywhere. Uh, after there are outbreaks, places of course, consumer uh, output really takes a nosedive, which makes sense. Um, so as for the numbers, as of July tenth. 26,160 restaurants in total closed on Yelp. And about a little over 15,000 of those, actually almost 16,000 of those, permanently shut down. Which is a a ton of people. 
Yeah, that's a ton of people. We should I should mention too that you know it's these are not just like your neighborhood restaurant. Like Starbucks and McDonald's are closing locations. Like a lot of locations actually. McDonald's I think is closing about two hundred locations nationally, um, w- which is quite a bit. I think they operate about. I actually don't know. I think it's about 13, 14,000. But that's like, you know, it's not just the landscape of neighborhoods, which we'll get into, um, but it's a good chunk of jobs as well, as well as like businesses in, in local communities. Well, that's the other thing too, is like, fellas out there, you know how you go to the same bar every Friday night to drink two Coronas? Well, not Coronas now, but maybe Bud Light Limes and then lock yourself in the bathroom take a Taurus 38 from your pocket and sit on the stall while you just shove it in your mouth over and over again, like you're filleting it. Oh my God. Well, almost 6,000 bars of clothes. And of those about almost edging up on half of them are permanent. And it's, it's true. Even in San Francisco, a bunch of bars that I used to like to go to shut down good for good, yeah. excuse me, permanently. Uh, and these numbers will rise. And the same thing's happening to gyms. The same thing's happening to any of these, uh, these businesses that require people's presence somewhere in a room. Which is basically like all businesses, by the way. And I know that I'm sure that listeners of the podcast will remember we had sort of, we had talked about this a while ago, I think with Alexander Skaggs, but like, you know, we are already in the midst of a retail apocalypse prior to the coronavirus. But we're now in like a complete and total like bankruptcy Armageddon. Like I, I, it is... What we're seeing is really wild. There's been, um, you know, I think one of the latest ones is Asena Group, which is like a, a mega retailer um, that they they operate about 3,500 stores nationally, and they filed for bankruptcy. They're closing. Um, even the surviving brands that they own, which I think includes like Ann Taylor and Lane Bryant and these kind of Hello. like mall, yeah, these kind of like mall brands, they're going to close like sixteen hundred stores. Um, you know, I've read that the Mall of America, for example, has a massive, you know, has like a billion dollar loan out that it's it will probably, uh, you know, have to file bankruptcy under. Like these are massive retail properties and massive companies. That are not coming back from this. J. Crew, I think, filed for bankruptcy. You know, my fellow podcast uh, workers here. You know, you know that I love a good J. Crew shirt. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think that there's basically no future for any of these kind of stores, right? Like, how could there be? Yeah, so Asena is listed at $3 billion, which makes it the third largest bankruptcy in the entire, during the entire pandemic, uh, just behind JCPenney, which of course is about $8 billion, and Nima Marcus also filed for bankruptcy. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a, 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 another wave of this, that it's not just these businesses closing or reorganizing, as sometimes is the case under bankruptcy law, but that... You know, I mentioned the Mall of America. There's other commercial property groups that are about 90-day delinquent on loans as well. They've There's one group, CBL Property Group, that has about 100 malls in 26 states. That's $3 billion in debt right now. It no, is it's nothing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 
most likely not going to make it out alive. Now, this is, again, commercial real estate. When that empties, when capital flees these areas, it's not coming back. Yeah, it's gone. And it's not just because of demand. I mean, you know, you know, at the beginning of this, we talked or at the beginning of, you know, the pandemic, I should say, when we were doing those episodes on Corona and the economy, you know, we said we were facing down these twin shocks of both supply and demand, which made this economic crisis that much more difficult to combat. Right. And that's what and, and, and we're still seeing that none of these crises have have resolved. None of these shocks have resolved. No, I think we're actually still sort of stuck in that space where we don't see the effects of this fully, right? Because malls are closed anyways. You know, it it basically makes no difference to me if the mall downtown, actually, I don't know if the mall downtown is closed. I assume it is. Uh, If the mall downtown or Stonestown is closed or not, because it's, it's already closed because of Corona, but it's when these restrictions are lifted and these places don't reopen Mm. that you're going to see, uh, Basically, a very different landscape in these towns because right now it's all just fading in the background, right? Right. And every everybody is a temporary casualty. Now, there's two kinds of casualties: there, there are wounded, and then there's you know there's fatalities. Fatality. Uh, and it's really hard to tell the difference right now, it, literally just by your eye walking down the street because you know every business is boarded up. Yeah, every business. I mean, it's it's really shocking to take in walking around downtown San Francisco. Or even here in Oakland and Berkeley is it's like really shocking to look at. Well, I was I was I was down in L.A. helping helping a buddy of mine move out of there uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I ran to a buddy of mine, Brian, who has this place, uh, New California Barbershop, and I was like, "Are you?" He was he was there. He was like locking up, and I asked him, "How many haircuts are you doing per day?" He tells me like four. Mm. Yeah, And it's like, he said the first two weeks after, you know, lockdown was lifted and he could reopen, he was doing, you know, full schedule, although he had to have obviously significantly cut down on what he could do. And now it's like four. And I can only imagine that every type of business like that, same kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, the other side with this, like, you know, just to get back to this commercial real estate, you know, Armageddon. Which yeah. is really what, you know, and I can already like, I'm anticipating some listeners hearing that and going like, who cares if the mall closed? I hate the mall, blah, 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 whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. Again, these things have cascading effects. That's a ton of jobs lost and yeah. in, in towns. That's, that's like community infrastructure at this point, right? Like well, we have, if we have a service economy instead of a manufacturing economy and the right. service jobs leave, what kind of economy do you have? We don't have one. Yeah. Um, you know, and and the idea that they would ever come back is, you know, look, lenders don't want a bunch of these zombie properties. Basically, like, the, you know, you've got a bunch of walking dead mall groups, real estate holding companies that have a bunch of property that isn't going to go anywhere and isn't going to make a lot of money. So what do they do with it? They get rid of it. No one's going to lend to these guys. No one's, you know... It's all it's all walking dead. It's like yeah. zombification. Yeah. And again, these things have cascading effects, you know. Commercial real estate prices take a nosedive. You see the same thing in real estate, right? And we're now we're looking at about, you know, 4.1 million mortgages are currently in forbearance. Now, forbearance is basically when uh your, you know, your mortgage servicer um you know, the people that manage your loan 
uh, or the lender basically allow you to pause or reduce payments just for a limited period of time. But it, it doesn't erase like what you owe on your mortgage, but it allows you to pause. So 4.1 million mortgages are not being paid right now. And again, I can already anticipate listeners saying, well, who cares about homeowners? I'm not a homeowner, whatever. Uh, home ownership rate in 2020 is about 67.9%. The median home price in America is about $280,000, right? So mm-hmm. we, you know, I know at least for us living in San Francisco, we have a warped view because it's impossible to own a home. But like, that's a big, that's two thirds of, you know, the American public. That That's one of the highest home ownership rates since I believe right before like i think before like the the 2008 crisis well the other thing about that too is that the people who are who are missing out on these payments and stuff are not like you know your doctor or whatever or or the guy that's suing you for um you know performing monster truck tricks very late at night in a gated community uh you know these are poor people right that are that are that are in forbearance yeah they literally can't they can't afford their mortgage I yeah. mean, and, and here's the other thing is that, you know, these things compound, right? So it's not like, you know, you miss one payment, you miss two payments. Well, now, you know, you're going to have to pay three, four more payments all at once. Now, that's nearly impossible. I mean, think about that, too. You know, if you're a renter, like, you know, everyone on this podcast is uh, in California, right? Like, if you are the way that the law is in California about this is that if you are if you do miss rent payments during coronavirus, the, it's not like that's just forgiven. You still owe that money, yeah. And so now you are in debt to your landlord. And so if you haven't been working during all of this, and if you're one of the many many people who haven't been able to get unemployment, or if your unemployment is significantly less than what you are making because you have high rent because you live in you know a, a city here or even kind of far outside a city, uh, you're fucked. You owe your landlord, and you're going to owe your landlord for a long fucking time. And eventually, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of loopholes with the California law. Um, and 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 uh, we've talked about this, I believe, on the show, too. Costa Hawkins is the thing that prevents us from really doing anything about it. And yeah. your politicians will still not support the repeal of it. Yeah. Um, it's a terrible fucking law. Well, before we get into like the the looming eviction crisis, which is another part of this, you know, I do want to just fin- like, you know, go through some of these stats which are just completely stunning. So, over all of, so over 8% of all mortgages are not being paid right now. That's completely stunning. And about 50% of uh families have reported a major loss in income. When you look at sales, what's striking is that condo sales in like, for example, in the Bay Area, are plunging, mm-hmm. like, 16 to 20% drop in condo sales in cities. It's, it's, like, pretty crazy, which, like, you know, I don't like condos or whatever, but this is, you know, a major part of new development. There's so yeah. much new development that for now, at least in California, and I always like to look at the California housing market because it's a good bellwether for where the rest of the country is going. But at least for now, construction hasn't stopped. It hasn't dried no. up. No, but it, it will. It will when these shocks like hit them, you know, hit these businesses that 
these changes to our economy, these changes are are not going to, you know, that are, are possibly permanent or at least long lasting. Well, you know? I mean, especially here in San Francisco, almost all of the new construction is luxury housing. Mm. And, and a lot of the people who can afford things like that, luxury housing, don't necessarily need to live in the city anymore because a lot of those people have jobs that you can work remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're going to be seeing a lot. Uh, well, I mean, the way it works, unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't really know how to actually pronounce that. Uh, uh is right now is that is that a lot of these places are basically empty anyways. I mean, there's there's a there's tens of thousands of empty units in in San Francisco. I believe hundreds of thousands in the whole Bay Area. Um, but the way the real estate market works is is that doesn't really matter. They they make the money building it still. Right, and it you know what's interesting too about what's happening in California, and you know you mentioned the people that can afford to work from home. You know, and again, it's unclear if this is going to end up being a long term trend, but I suspect that it might is that new you know home sales new ho- new home sales are actually up but not in cities so you're seeing condo sales and condo prices take a nosedive as people are saying fuck this i don't need to live in the city what's the point of living into the city when i don't go to the google office when i don't go when there are no restaurants to go to when there's no movies to go to when there's no yeah. nightlife here in the city uh, you're seeing a lot of people run for the suburbs uh, yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to see a lot. I mean, I, I read some statistic a while ago that that in the first couple months of the pandemic, thirty five thousand people left San Francisco. Yeah, which reminder we are a small city. We are less than a million people here, and so that is like you know I, I don't know what percentage that is. I'm not no fucking nerd, but that is a significant percentage of people. Um, and and I'll tell you what too, rents have dropped here. Yeah, they've gone down twelve percent in San Francisco, which is. <laughs> insane for the city i mean they're still probably higher than basically any city in america but it is fucking insane yeah and i think they're gonna keep dropping probably i mean look you've got what so google just announced uh just announced that they will be work from home until june 2021 which is uh yeah pretty shocking to come out and say that and you're gonna see you know Google takes that lead, you're going to see a lot of other companies follow suit and say, okay, well, now we're extend what, you know, Google knows something we don't. So we're going to extend work from home. But we should mention too, and again, this ties into construction and real estate and employment and all these things that we're kind of talking about, all these indicators, you know, uh, Alphabet, which is, of course, the parent company that owns Google. But in we should call it like in name only or whatever. It's all it's stupid legal jargon. And also, I hate saying alphabet. That's a side note. I'm sorry. But uh, alphabet, <laughs> you know, they, you know, they have a huge presence here in the Bay Area. It's not just San Francisco. You know, you've got Mountain View, San Jose. They were working on a, a you know a massive project. We'll see if that continues to go through. I don't know. But they had also started about a $2.4 billion new office project in Manhattan, I think in Chelsea Market, um, which is, you know, that's, that's a good chunk of change, $2.4 billion for something that I think it, they started construction in like October of last year, uh-huh. uh, would not be able to be in use by anyone for, you know, probably another year. 
Well, a lot of these companies are saying like, oh, you'll be back to work by like next summer or something. But like, again, that's something we see a lot with this pandemic is where people sort of pick an arbitrary date that's like in the future, but not like insanely in the future. And that date is malleable, right? Like that does them saying that doesn't mean anything that 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 is not in necessarily response to any actual specific trends. I think it just sounds like it's correct. And like we, we've heard these sort of dates before. They could get moved very easily, much further. Well, the other thing, too, is that, you know, all these companies, and this happened very quickly with Twitter and Facebook, who tend to be a bit more mask off about, I mean, Twitter, I think, out of necessity, because it doesn't make any money, and Facebook, because, you know, they're swine. But, uh, you know, uh, they came out very quickly and said, you know, oh, well, actually, it's pretty cheap for us to have everyone work from home. So we're probably going to just keep doing that. (laughs) You know, <laughs> and what you're going to see is a lot of people, not not just workers, become accustomed to this new lifestyle change, which I think they'll adapt to quite quickly. Um, but also these companies where they're suddenly offloading a lot of the operating costs onto the workers themselves. I mean, that was a big thing when the, at the start of this pandemic, people were like, well, you know, business is going to get disrupted because people's Internet sucks and like, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it turns out that that this this infrastructure actually does work for a lot of companies. And so they have you at home paying your internet bill. I'm sure not every single company makes you do that, but I, I definitely some do. Uh, you know, on your computer, at your house, already blurring that line, or excuse me, blurring that already extremely blurry line between home life and work life. Mm. You know, they are, it's, it's this image I have of somebody working from home from like Google or something where, or one of these companies is, is that you are, your keystrokes are logged. A lot of these companies take a, I don't know necessarily Google, but just a lot of these companies take a picture of your face every so often from your, from your, from your work computer to make sure that you're there. Uh, and, and your like every action is essentially monitored. And so like, we, we, you know, we're, we're sort of trained to accept that, you know, without questioning it in the workplace. But, but when the home becomes a workplace, that becomes like a, a, a almost different sort of acceptance there. And it's, it's a dark thing, I think. Mm. I, 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 if, the, if the thought of your boss taking a picture of you from your computer every 10 minutes while you sit in your fucking living room doesn't give you the chills, then I, I don't know what does. Yeah, I mean, you know, is it work from home or home home at work? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the kind of like, you know, fun little game. And I'll say that like a lot of people made fun of me. I think it was last year. I, I was saying like, sorry to bother you. It's a documentary. It's not <laughs> science fiction. And like, yeah, sorry, it is. It was quite right about a lot of things, including how these companies, you know, want to operate. Yeah, I mean. The thing is, I was reading this thing. According to Global Workplace Analytics, a typical employer can save about $11,000 a year for every person who works remotely half the time. Which means, I think in the future, after this, after you know, uh, I figure out some sort of cure uh, for coronavirus, I think that like even when some offices reopen... There won't be workers in there the full time. Workers no. will be in there a lot of these places. If they come back, they'll only come back part of the time. Now, you know, as a side note, imagine how difficult it would be to organize labor where there is no, 
you know, shared space where there is no production that happens in any kind of, you know, whatever modern version of a kind of factory floor, right? Where, like, you know, it is completely, it, it would be completely impossible. And we should say, too, and this is, again, something that we've talked about or talked about earlier in these episodes, um, is that what you have then emerging is a completely binary economy, which is the people who work from home and the people who serve the people who work from home. Yeah. Yeah. And you see a rise in these companies, you know, you've got Postmates and DoorDash and Caviar and Grubhub and whatever all the delivery services are. And you've got restaurants basically just operating for that reason, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, one thing I really want listeners who who are office workers or who work from home right now for, for basically any reason is beware the words flex or the word flexibility Mm. beware when your boss says that because every time a business owner says the word flexibility they are talking about how flexible you are when they bend you over and fuck you in the ass (laughs) because that's all this shit is is that 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 now work is going to become way more intrusive you know there's there's this, you know, already that you see op-eds every so often. It's like, should you be able to, should you answer work calls at night or whatever? Which, no, you should not. But now there will be no question of that because your home is your office. And so you're always in the office. You're always available. Your mo- the monitoring of you will increase. It will become totally pervasive. And you will slowly accept it because that's where you work. You're at work. You're, you know, it's, it's every company is going to be like this. Um, this is also, I believe, going to lead to a pretty big rise in, uh, in contract work, right? Mm. Because, I mean, already companies like Google, Facebook, or whatever employ a huge number of contract workers. Like, in some cases, a lot of these companies, it's almost half their workforce. Uh, and, and, of course, you, you, you lack a lot of our already meager labor rights. Uh, but, but, but they're going to see, like, I think a lot of these companies, not necessarily in this next year, but within the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, they're going to see that they can actually streamline these processes and only have a certain amount of permanent employees with the rest of that work contracted out. You know, like you don't need yeah. someone to sit there all day, maybe do a couple of things. You can just hire somebody for one hour, two hours. And so there's going to be a lot of people sitting at home looking at whatever new fucking app they, they, they come out with, you know. Going to the top and refreshing it over and over and over again so they can get some fucking, you know, 30 minutes, an hour of work from whatever, you know, ghouls out there who are willing to pay them. Uh, it's it's going to drive wages down. And, you know, the other thing it's going to do is it's going to wreck your fucking brain to be alone all the time. Well, I mean, also, it's going to do a couple other things. One, it's going to put workers directly in competition with one another in, like, uh-huh. app form, which is, that's the, like, cyber future, like, scariness, you know, it's always depicts that. Yeah. But also, like, you know, we should, again, I, I, I want to say, like, these were trends that were already yes. in place. And what we're seeing is a complete and total acceleration of them, like we mentioned from the top of the show. Yeah, but we've I guess, known all this was coming. Yeah, but we're seeing it really, uh, you know, foaming at the mouth <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's like making its presence known. We should say, though, for the people who don't have jobs, like, the future also doesn't look great. <laughs> yes. I mean, basically 31.8 million uh, people in America are unemployed. 
which is that that's that, you know, again, we're recording this on Wednesday. So more so unemployment numbers will be released tomorrow, which is Thursday. So this is for the week ending July 18th, uh, 31.8 million. Um, you know, again, all unemployment numbers should be read with the caveat that this does not include people that have fallen out of the labor market, which is to say yep. that people are not currently looking for work. Um, so you should expect that number to actually be higher. Um, just as like a sticking point, and this is something that actually really annoys me, when the Lion News media reports these things out every Thursday morning, you know, they're tippy-tappy on their little laptops, work from home, tippy-tappy, and they get these press releases from, you know, the the Labor Department and they just read the top line. They don't go down the f further to get more information in the press release. So they read the top line, which says 16.2 million claims. But those are only state claims. Doesn't include federal claims. So they say, oh, 16.2.8 million, which if you saw that or heard that on NPR on the radio, which is where you would find or listen to NPR, uh, you would be like, oh, that doesn't sound so bad. To be, because to it's be wrong. Clear. To be clear, Liz, I actually listen to NPR. When I do Zumba, we don't do it to music. We do it to, <laughs> to NPR. I mean, occasionally there's music, the, you know, the tiny desk shows or what, whatnot, but, but usually we're just dancing to it. Yeah, I mean, it is. And these numbers are going to keep going up, baby. And, and I, I, you know, the thing is, you're correct that these don't include a lot of people. A lot of people engage in precarious labor. That 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 is is totally able to be like erased from any of these conversations. Right. That that will that number will rise. It, it was already rising. That was already everyone could see that's sort of the future of how a lot of industries are going to go. Um, but but boy, that is that is going to increase. Yeah. Well, so you're looking at about twenty percent, little over twenty percent. Uh, again, reported. Uh of you know the workforce is unemployed now we should you know we mentioned uh the small business apocalypse right mm -hmm. so you've got these compounding bankruptcies you've got these you know which will pause investment which will pause again construction which would cause more job loss right but you've also got now from a part of the cares act was the ppp loans right oh, the God, paycheck yeah. protection program now the way that this worked was that you know, businesses that received them, which a lot of small businesses did, should probably mention a lot of very not small businesses. <laughs> also, uh, also, a lot of charter schools did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, you know, they all got in on the on the free money, which you know, respect, I guess. But uh, yeah, so the way that it worked is that there was about an eight week window, uh, which I believe has actually since been expanded um, or extended. Excuse me, that. You had to use these uh, federal loans for uh, like for employee reasons to keep employees within this window in order for them to convert to grants. So no one wants to pay any of this money back to the government, which is what a grant would be. So everyone had an incentive to spend this money. Now, that eight week window is going to end soon. And so you're going to start seeing new waves of... Um, job slashing and that slashing is not is going to be permanent these jobs are not coming back i'm talking about you know airline companies are going to start slashing jobs again probably september october i'm talking about you know we're going to see more 
energy companies go under. I think two or three now oil companies have filed for bankruptcy. So you're going to see more consolidation there. That's more jobs. Now, again, remember, regardless of your feeling about oil companies, I don't think Brace and I have any good feelings about them. <laughs> uh, I, I to, to be clear, Exxon did pay for um, my military training. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, regardless, that's a ton, you know, fracking and refineries are a massive jobs program in this country, you know, unfortunately. So you're talking about a lot of people that are going to be out of work that, again, those mortgages aren't going to get paid. There aren't those there. Those jobs aren't coming back. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, these have these cascading effects throughout the economy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's the thing about all of this. And that's, that's the thing that I mentioned this before, and I keep thinking about this, is we can't even, a lot of this is not visible to us yet. Mm. But it's happening. Like, you know, these are all like, like I, I don't know if we read that part, but Welbeck said, like, we see all these statistics, but they're like hard to kind of touch and to feel and, and get the shape of. Um, but this will start to take shape, and it's not going to be, it's, it's going to be an ugly one. Um, yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, I think part of that, you know, just off the top of my head, you know, that mirrors the pandemic in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Like, the pandemic feels silent, not just because of the way that, you know, the symptoms, you know, take so long to develop and there's so many asymptomatic cases and whatever, but also in that, you know, when you look at the populations, we've got 150,000 recorded dead at this moment. You look at the populations where this is really taking off where people are really really dying in mass numbers there are already populations that capital has squared away right yeah. you've got the outbreaks in the nursing homes no one see you don't you physically cannot see these right you're unless forbidden they, to by law unless they touch your family absolutely you've got massive outbreaks in almost every prison mm-hmm. no one oh, you know that's not getting I do, reported I do on or put a seen note there. Almost 2,000 prisoners in San Quentin have coronavirus. I think 12, at least 12, it may be up to like 16 now, prisoners have died from coronavirus, too. They, get irre- they, don't, they don't really get their phone calls anymore. Obviously, they don't get visits. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the American prison system, which, by the way, has like two fucking million people in it. Right. Is, is, is somehow getting worse. <laughs> yeah. And, you know... In addition to that, you've got then the huge outbreaks with farm workers yeah. and at meatpacking plants. Now, these mm-hmm. meatpacking plants, uh, it is horrifying what's happening there. And yeah. the, you know, they refuse to shut down. Workers are dying. Workers' families are dying because they all, you know, a lot of these people live in multi generational homes. Mm hmm. And they're getting they they there's no recourse they have to work. Oh, and in a lot of like populations like people who do farm work and stuff like that who who may not have papers necessarily mm. they're afraid to get tested. I mean that yeah, was, that's been a big problem here in San Francisco where people who 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 don't have citizenship uh don't want to get tested because rightfully so they probably do not want their names on any government list. They certainly don't want to have any contact tracing. Yeah, and I'll say you know part of the reason why. This doesn't, you know, doesn't feel real is like the media isn't exactly reporting 
on these populations and what's happening either. You don't get a lot of reporting on the factories in Los Angeles that are refusing to shut down even as literally all uh, like four or five workers in their factories die. You don't get a lot of reporting on the labor strikes that are happening throughout the agricultural sector all up and down the West Coast. You don't get a lot of reporting on, you know, the, the everyone knows how horrifying the private nursing home industry is. Oh, but yeah, like, awful. Just like even before all this and what, you know, th- these people are can be, you know, depending on the companies, you know, I don't, you know, whatever, just absolute predators, absolute vultures. Um, and the way they take advantage of families is, is, is horrifying. But there's very little reporting on what's going on in these nursing homes. And, you know, Cuomo sent sick populations into nursing homes to die, thereby infecting more people. Where mm. are the stories on this? You don't get any reporting on, like you mentioned, the over 2 million people in the prison system who are also dying. Because, again, capital has already secured these populations as expendable. Yeah. And they are like it's it's a, a prisoner on death row died in San Quentin, I think, last week. And like, I mean, that is that is tremendous. And how the virus has just swept through there. And, and, and the, the government's basically doing nothing to prevent it. Um, I, I don't know. It, it drives me fucking crazy. Like this goes along with what we were saying earlier, is that none of these things are new. Conditions for workers in America are dog shit. Labor rights in America are dog shit. Prison rights and, 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 and the ability of prisoners to have even something remotely close to a humane existence are, is so far from what the reality has been that it's, it's basically like a different fucking planet, man. Uh, and so what we're seeing with the virus is it's like an accelerant. Like someone just threw, it, threw this like lighter fluid and that's what we used to do when i was in syria when when we'd we'd have to use fires to keep warm sometimes uh and and to cook tea and what we would do because they drink a lot of tea out there sometimes some guys don't even drink water there's a kurdish guy who hasn't drank water in 27 years only tea which is respect probably having some tough sleep there but uh we used to just like pour lighter fluid or gasoline actually not lighter fluid just gasoline onto the fire to heat tea faster and that's kind of seems like what's happening here is some, this virus is just tossing gasoline and everything in America that sucks shit is being exposed. But the yeah. problem is the problem with that exposure is there's no one to do anything about it. Well, that's what's been really shocking as we've watched this whole thing from March to now, which is basically we're, we're basically in August is there's absolutely no leadership anywhere. Like, not even, you know, like, I mean, I, you know, look, everyone knows how much I hate Democrats, how much I hate Republicans, how much I hate all these goons. But like, it's shocking that zero leadership is able to step up and say, okay, no, actually, this is what needs to get done. Like, it's just a complete and total abdication of responsibility on, like, literally everyone. Like, from the farthest left politician, whatever that means, to the furthest right. Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. And, and I, I think a lot of that has to do, I mean, just speaking from sort of my own uh, milieu that I, that I unfortunately 
swim around in like a fucking catfish uh is that like i think a lot of people were demoralized and broken in a way that they don't necessarily even understand or fully fully grasp consciously by the bernie loss and just like how total that loss and capitulation was and like what we have right now is we are watching like america decay around the edges and and in the core in real time but there is no organization, there is no group of people that can do a fucking thing about it. So what you have right now is you have a lot of very angry people sitting in their house on Twitter or fucking on, on Xbox or whatever, or just fucking staring out the window, furious, but unable to really lift a finger because there's nowhere to put that finger. There is no fucking, there is no leaflet to pass out. There's no fucking trigger to pull. There's no fucking nothing. Yeah. And and that that I think that will have this effect on people where where we're going to see I mean and and to be clear to be clear in this episode I we are not endorsing any sort of nihilism or detachment or anything like that. That is yeah, not our fucking not, game. You guys should know by now we're not doomers. Yeah, that is not our fucking game. But I do want to point out I am taking a concrete view of a fucking concrete position or excuse me, a concrete situation right now. And and it is not good. And the thing is is you have to, I think a lot of people accept that in the whole and sort of the, the holistic way, but you have to accept that in the particulars and then you have to move past that and figure out what to do next. Uh, and looking at history can very much help with that. I think, you know, something that I want everyone to kind of like sit with and push back on in their heads is there's this idea that, okay, you've got what we're staring down, 30% unemployment. You got a bunch of people, I mean... There was a big graphic that was passed around about the percentage in each state of people facing eviction as by this Friday, the federal moratorium on evictions is uh, expiring. It's most likely that the, that the Trump admin is going to extend that, but yeah. it's unclear when that will happen. Um, so you've got some of these states, you know, that over half of all Florida renters are facing eviction this Friday. Like, I don't know what to do with that number, right? I mean, these, yeah. these, these numbers are shocking. And there's this, I've seen this idea where people go, oh, well, you've got, you know, people losing literally everything in their lives. Now we've got, you know, oh, that's the match to the flame we need. No, 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 no. I've said this before on the podcast and I'll say it again. Austerity does not breed agency. Actually, quite the opposite. If you are yeah. someone who has just lost their job and their home and has to figure out a way to keep their family safe, you are not about to storm the gates, right? That's not where that impulse comes from. And I think that there's this idea that, and you know, if you listen to this podcast for a long time, you know that Brace and I are always pushing against this, this idea that something will spontaneously emerge, that some subject will spontaneously emerge that will, uh, you know, show us the way and will be, you know, we'll suddenly have a rebellion on our hands. And that's yeah. not how this works. No, not at all. I mean, I think people too are like pointing to, to, whatever Chaz was and to what's happening in Portland and the, the, the federal agencies coming in, snatching people up as like, well, this will, this will spark the flame. There is no Tinder to spark here. What there yeah. is, is a sack of potatoes. 
the idiocy of rural life, as Marx called it, has spread to the cities. And mm. everybody, and, and what we're saying here in this episode, what we're showing is that that atomization, which got us into the situation that we're in today, where, where, where you have no organization, where you have no group you belong to, or where you have no, no sense of community or even neighborhood. You know, you may not even, I, 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 bear, I mean, I do know my neighbors, but like in most places I've lived, I haven't known my neighbors. And, and, and all of that will further and further and further. And now you don't even have your coworkers there. You don't even have that fucking boring ass water cooler discussion or fucking, you know, you work at the garage with somebody because that shit is closed and you are at home and maybe you're with your girlfriend if you're lucky, but you're probably by yourself or with your roommates. And that is a bad thing. <laughs> this, yeah. this is, this is, and, and, and so, so you really like, that's what I want to say here is I think a lot of people here, including myself at times, slip into this sort of nihilistic depression, but that is the fucking, that will kill you. That will kill your fucking brain and that will detach you even further. That will sever all your links with people. And, and so, so, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not here to necessarily give a prescription. I mean, I do have a prescription. Very simple prescription that people have been using for almost 200 years, which is to form an organization for, for uh, uh, the emancipation of working people. Uh, but but do not and beware, beware those fucking people that are telling you that we are on the verge of like a 1917 or some shit like that, because those people are misleading you. They yeah, are lying to you. Well, I don't even think we're in the 1890s yet, baby. No, no, we're in we're in fucking... 1320 motherfucker you are a surf <laughs> bitch you live in alsace you are a peasant you need to give your fucking lord the grain your your fucking children you've had 15 children you've never taken a bath you've literally never washed your penis you're fucking at you've never used toilet paper motherfucker you have worms you are dying you've had 40 children three of them are alive Two of them are child soldiers in the Duke's army. Bitch, the greatest thing you can hope for is to die at the ripe age, oh, excuse me, the old age of 36. You, you fucking can't read. You fucking, you don't know what TV is. You, you are literally, if you were transporting today, you would be the worst gamer of all time. You don't know shit. You literally probably don't even know what the direction left is. So, I'm sure some medieval guy is going to get mad at me for this. Bitch, I've been to the Renaissance Fair. I have eaten a large turkey wing, which the Juggalos call bitch beaters, which I think is, is problematic, but a funny thing to call them. Motherfucker, you gotta, or, you gotta recognize where you are, and then you gotta get past that. You gotta be, you gotta be unemotional. I mean, I know I'm not being a great, a great, uh, you know, display of that myself. But you got it. You you can't sink into this hole. You live in the oubliette. Your job is to crawl up the ladder, motherfucker. You live in the hole. You're in the hole. You are a rat. And the rat, when he's in the hole, gets fucked. Oh, people only throw trash in the hole. You know what? You need to eat. You need to eat a body. And you need to carry the plague. And you need to carry a plague around this whole world that will change this whole fucking world. And and, and 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 all your enemies will vomit black bile and they will choke on blood and grow boils and die. But only if you get together with your other rats and you come up with some kind of super plague to fucking end your enemies and end this nightmare.
Well, in our in our last part, I just want to end on this. Mm. In the Republican bill, which, by the way, is not necessary. That doesn't mean it'll it'll actually. This is what's going to get voted on. But what the Republicans proposed in the coronavirus relief bill, uh, something I found really strange, which was six hundred eighty six million dollars for the F thirty five fighter jet, which cannot fly in the rain. <laughs> Seven hundred twenty million dollars. Let go of the F thirty five. If you are less than six foot eight and you try to get into an F thirty five and eject, <laughs> your head will literally yes. be cut off by the yes. plane. It is. It works worse than. Do you remember that old? I can't remember what it's called, but it was like this old video game thing that came out in like the nineties or early two thousands. It was like red. It was made by Nintendo, and you kind of lied down and put your eyes into it. Virtual Boy. The F-35 functions worse than any virtual boy. It, it's, it's like, dog, if you peed on it, it will explode. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, oh my God. Every time they're like, oh, testing out another one, like something horrifying happens. Yeah. Like a pigeon fly. It's like, you, you know, the butterfly effect. Like I step on a butterfly in right, Hawaii. Right, right. Tsunami happens in Thailand. Literally, if you do step on a butterfly in Hawaii, an F-35 will explode. Yeah. <laughs> killing hundreds of people. <laughs> So, all right, so, so, so this month when you're like, fuck, dude, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Think about this. The, uh, the Republican Party, and I'm sure some of this will make it into the bill, by the way, the actual bill that gets voted on, uh, is, is saying that we should give $1.1 billion for the Navy for a fucking patrol plane. $800 million for the National Guard who are going to come to your house and shoot your dog. $65 million for a hypersonic missile defense system. 200 million for homeland missile defense system and by the way when you were at the fucking grocery store trying to find the you, you when you go to the fucking chinese grocery store or excuse me the japanese grocery store hoping to find cheaper ramen than you have at safeway remember this the u.s many people in the u.s government are calling for us to give 290 million dollars for a space-based missile sensor layer motherfucker have fun getting evicted a bunch of other shit in there, too. It, it, almost $30 billion for the fucking Pentagon. What a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like, I, you know, every bill that Congress writes has, like, you know, $300 billion allocated yes. to the <laughs> Pentagon. It's, like, required. It's, like, it, no matter what, they'll, it'll, they'll pass, like, fucking, you know, Democrats sweep in November. If that's still, you know, if that's still on the table by then, I don't know. We'll see. Probably. Uh, you know, they're going to pass, like, the Equality Act or whatever, and there will still be, like, $400 billion for the Pentagon in, like, you know, some some bill that says, like, we're all equal or whatever. Yeah, and remember, a lot of your fucking little favorite politicians vote yes on these budgets that have that Pentagon money in it, too, that are killing yeah. people like you in other countries. Yeah. Um, well, I'm feeling good now, baby. I'm hyped up. I liked your little monologue. That felt, that was good hype. I mean, it yeah, sucks, that... like, you know, because the thing for for us is, like, we want to do these episodes because I feel like a lot of this news just isn't out there. Unless you're reading the FT every day, unless you're reading Bloomberg every day, unless you're reading whatever every day, which, you know, we do for you, so you don't have to, but you should. Uh, you're not kind of getting this 
large picture, like you said, of how all these things are happening and they all intersect. Yeah. I actually, I read, uh, I read uh, Rimbaud every day and do push-ups naked. Um, <laughs> but because I'm a, like a little crazy, I'm a, a bit of an urban artist. Oh my God. Uh, but yeah, we face a complex, uh, what was that Hillary Clinton thing? We can <laughs> face a complex series of intersectional problems. Yeah, that was great. We should bring that back. Remember Podesta's plan to defeat ISIS that started with defeat ISIS? Yes. <laughs> that was that the best plan rocked. ever. I'll tell you what though, unbeatable plan. You know what? I can't argue with that. If you want like, to defeat ISIS, you probably should defeat ISIS. I, if my idea is to defeat ISIS, first thing on the table, defeat ISIS. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Can't argue. Um, well, all right. My nipples are hard. I'm fucking juiced up. Um, yeah, you go do some push-ups, baby. I know. I've been doing my, my push-up challenge. Uh, trying to get one down. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It's like a thing that some, some friends of mine are doing uh, where you try to get actually, you, you like, it's crazy. Like one guy lies on the ground naked and the other guy kind of does also naked push-ups over him. Mm. But you just do like like really fast, and it's mostly from the hip. <laughs> um, well, Liz, a pleasure as always. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, you can have it. Okay, thank you. I took no pleasure in this. <laughs> I, it, takes, it gives me no pleasure to report this. And it gives Liz me- Liz has been arrested for treason and is possibly <laughs> facing the death penalty. I uh you know I'm sorry what? to see her go. To be okay, to go back to that, kind of a that's a great tweet. One of the all time. So for those of you who don't know, a, a former con- labor or excuse me, not labor, conservative MP in Britain who became like the Ur Russiagate person, Louise mm. Mensch, once said that she had uh she was aware of the 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 that there were sealed indictments against one Stephen Bannon that that uh Basically, he faced treason charges uh, and the penalty of death. That did not happen. And Steve Bannon instead took out a bunch of loans and started a, like a like a, a fake college for Nazis in Italy that didn't even work. Which is insane that that didn't work. That means you mm. know that tub of bullshit lard motherfucker couldn't do shit. Yeah, if he, he can't, you do know, that. the thing with Bannon is he, you know, he was right about a lot of things, but couldn't do any of it. Like, he's just, just, like, not, he has a good, he would have a good read on things. To be clear, I don't agree with Steve Bannon, in case I need to make that clear. But uh, he would have a good read on certain things, but then couldn't actually do anything. Like, Marion Le Pen, who's the, of course, uh, uber-reactionary in France, uber-the leader, you know, upcoming leader. The Front National. Well, no, she's, she's the, the daughter. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Marion uh not marine oh marines okay yeah i see what you're saying um but she started a reactionary school as well that i think is going very well which is something to keep an eye on actually you know what i got my ba there um (laughs) and it was pretty like i mean i don't know i went to brigham young too it was like basically the same as going there oh my god i played basketball at uh marine le pen's uh fascist university you know remember that time on the podcast when we were saying how deeply weird utah is oh such a strange place very weird that's place. a nexus for you uh, yeah yeah i got a dm from someone that was like thank you utah is extremely weird i agree and like <laughs> went on this whole thing about utah i gotta send you 
Uh, yeah, I, I would like to read that because I, I've had experiences in many states, uh, and one of those is Utah, and it's a strange and unnerving place. I wanted to leave as soon as we crossed the state line, mm. more than basically anything. I've never and been if there. There's one, I, listen, what you got to do is join a hardcore band in 2007 and then go on a three-month tour. Mm. You'll see a lot of things you wish you didn't. I heard that Zion is lovely. Oh, yeah. No, actually, I, I formed my whole political ideology. Oh, in Utah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the thing is, so when I got sent to this, and by the way, there is a-, a, a This is uh, nice. It's like we're just chatting. I, when, I, when I got sent away to that <laughs> fucked up like cult when I was a kid, mm. uh, it, you would always get threatened. I just said threatened. It sounded like my, my voice farted or something. <laughs> well, you, you would get threatened by staff there uh, with getting sent to a place called Provo, which was a lockdown mm. school in Provo Canyon, Utah. And the thing is, so my school is in Montana because of very loose labor laws. Although uh, a a someone I not someone I went there, but with so someone who went there after me just filed child trafficking charges uh, against, or just is getting the FBI to file child trafficking charges against the guy who ran it. Oh, wow. um, but but you would always get threatened to get sent to Utah because there's like no laws there. Mm. They can do whatever you want they want with you. So yeah, suck any me and uh, fuck me. you any Utanians. That's what I'm going to call them from now on. Uh-huh. Listening in, uh, DM us your Utah thoughts. You want to you want to see a really fuck? Oh yeah, you want to see a really pathetic little hashtag? Is look up on Twitter hashtag Desnat D E Z N A T because you will that? find a bunch of people who believe that they're going to get a planet when they die, like in like plate carriers in the Utah desert that like. They paid with, you know, with their fucking, I don't know what these people do for work. Uh, they work at the polygamy factory or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 like, it's like fascist Utah 4chan people who are like, to be clear, uh, I mean, I guess marrying nine women who are inbred is based in a way. But if that's the base, baby, send me out on a mission. <laughs> okay, we should wrap this up. What a deeply weird ending. Yes. Unless, do you have anything <laughs> no, else you want to say? No, wrap it up. Those fucking, those fucking polygamists out there. <laughs> I think that's against that's against Utah rules, right? Uh, they're still. I mean, it's like it, there's they went underground. It's like mm. third period common turn policy. Like ultra left uh, Mormons <laughs> went underground and refused to cooperate with the uh, with the more mainstream social democratic Mormons. Yeah. Oh God, can't wait till they uh, reemerge. Yeah, oh, they will. They're too horny. Um, no. Well, my name <laughs> is Joseph Smith. <laughs> I'm Liz. We are joined by producer Young Chomsky, the leader of the Church of Latter-day Suckers. <laughs> uh, Wait, no, hold on. Let me take that again, although don't cut the first part. Leader of the Church of Loser Dumbass Suckers. <laughs> All right, we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.